quite simply, it's a field of energy radiating outward from the body into the space surrounding it. A great deal of error and misunderstanding has arisen on this subject in the past, mainly because people with only a certain degree of psychic sight have seen and described this aura, or at least what they believe to be the aura. In fact, what they were seeing was only a part of the whole thing. See, the complete human aura is made up of the auras of each of the seven principles, all radiating at the same time and intermingling with each other. Each of those seven principles radiates energy. And that energy radiation is visible only to those with a highly developed psychic sense. Some of the lower or grosser radiations can be seen with a comparatively undeveloped degree of psychic sight, but the highest forms are seen only by those who've progressed to some degree. Generally speaking, the auras of the first five principles can be seen by most people who take the trouble to develop psychic vision. The aura of the sixth principle, spiritual mind, is rarely seen unless by those of exceptional development. The aura of the seventh principle, spirit, has been seen by no human being at this stage of evolution. During this lecture, we'll try to examine the human aura, starting with the lowest, the physical body, or the dense body, as it's sometimes called. This body is made up of atoms, molecules, and cells, each one of which is a tiny center of consciousness. All living things radiate, so each one of these atoms, molecules, and cells radiates energy outward from itself. Their combined fields of radiation make up what we call the physical aura, which extends into the space around the body for a distance of, well, anything up to two feet, sometimes more, sometimes less. It's possible to diagnose the state of health from this aura, and for that reason it's sometimes called the health aura. When it's seen by someone with clairvoyant vision, it appears to be oval in shape and is practically colorless. It does possess a rather peculiar property, though, in that it appears to be radiating from the body in straight lines, rather like the bristles of a brush or like very fine rays. In good health, these lines or rays stand out very stiff and straight from the body. Whereas, when the energy or vitality is impaired by poor health, the bristles appear to droop, presenting then a very sorry appearance, rather like matted hair. And instead of being clear, the radiations appear dull and slightly clouded. So, in this way, we can have a fair indication of the physical health of a person by observing the manner in which this 
aura of the physical body radiates. The effect of this radiation is caused by the currents of prana energizing the body. A healthy body having a good supply, and an unhealthy body much less. The physical aura isn't easy to see actually, because it's almost colorless as we've said before, and so it tends to be overshadowed by the auras of the higher principles. You must remember that color plays no part in the physical aura, or indeed in any of the first three principles in their auras, as we shall see. The aura of the second principle, the astral body, once again is oval in shape. And when the two bodies are in alignment, as is normally the case, the aura of the astral body occupies the same space, or appears to, as the physical aura. Being merely the result of vibrations or radiations, these two auric fields do not in any way interfere with each other. Now, unlike the physical aura, the astral one is rather cloudy and opaque and presents to the psychic vision an appearance of something like steam just before it finally vaporizes and disappears. When the astral body is separated from the physical counterpart, which is quite possible under certain conditions, then the aura of the astral body appears to be like an oval, misty cloud, in the center of which the astral body itself is seen. Actually, many accounts of ghosts and phantoms agree about this rather strange and luminous appearance. Incidentally, to the undeveloped psychic vision, which most people possess even without knowing it, the astral aura would be quite transparent. So we get the idea of ghosts passing through walls and doors and so on. The third principle, prana, also has an aura. And since this principle is pure dynamic energy, one would expect its aura to be extremely vital. And this is certainly the case. More than anything else, it may be likened to the color of an electric arc or spark. When it's close to the body, it's very, very slightly tinged with a pale rose pink. When we're talking about the auric colors later on, we shall see why this happened. But this aura of prana is incredibly vital. People who are well-developed magnetic or contact healers radiate this energy most strongly, particularly around their fingertips. One may see this with clairvoyant vision. It looks like flashes or sparks leaving the fingers and shooting off into space. Something like the um, sparklers that we can remember from November the 5th in our childhood days. You know, we used to hold them up and sparks shooting off them in all directions. Well, the aura of prana from the fingertips is something like this. A great deal more vital and alive, but something like it.
In fact, people who have um, developed psychic sight can see all sorts of manifestations of this aura in nature, in animals, and in humans. It's generally most active in the field of reproduction. For instance, if you were to take a fresh apple and cut it in half, then take out the pips and lay them on a sheet of white paper, as white as you can find. And then just look, don't stare at them. And you'll see around each tiny little dark pip a brilliant aura of bluish-white light. That's the aura of the life energy in that pip that you're seeing. practice with this and you'll soon start to see the same type of light around the heads of people, particularly against lighter background. The aura of prana then, the third principle. And now we're going to move on to consider the auras of the higher mental principles. And this is where we really start to enter the field of color. First of all, Let's briefly reconsider these mental principles. Remember, there is instinctive mind, which is the lowest, then intellectual mind and spiritual mind. Instinctive mind being the primary consciousness, the mental state of animal man, from which we have evolved over eons of time, contains all the passion, the sensual and base desires as well as the necessary life-sustaining processes that keep our bodies functioning through everyday life. And all the countless billions of muscular and nervous actions that we perform all through our lifetime. Intellect is the reasoning faculty, which, as it develops, tries to subjugate these lower brutal desires and passions. Intellectual man analyzes and computes and begins to have a measure of control over his own destiny. Spiritual mind, the eventual home of God-man, is the principle from which all idealism, nobility, and altruism have come to us. Between the lowest planes of instinctive mind and the highest states of spiritual mind, the difference in the rates of vibration is almost incalculable. greater than the difference between a piece of granite and a cloud of steam. Compare the mental processes of a newly born babe with those of, um, say, a Bertrand Russell or an Albert Schweitzer. Of course, it is worth remembering that both Schweitzer and Bertrand Russell were once newborn babes themselves. Anyhow, radiations of energy which is what auras are, after all, manifest in different ways according to the rate of their vibrations. The lower vibrations in our atmosphere set up pressure waves which we can receive and interpret through our ears, and we call these sound. Higher rates of vibration manifest as light, and higher still are thought vibrations. Colors are really only light vibrating at different frequencies. Frequency, um, for the less scientifically minded amongst you, 
is just a way of saying the rate of vibration or the number of times a wave occurs in a second. Now, all vibrations are in a sense related. Some are harmonics of others, and sound and color are linked together in this way. Every sound actually produces a color, and vice versa. This is more evident, actually, in the astral world than in our slower Earth world. Color, anyhow, rightly belongs to the higher vibrations and only enters the auric field when we come to the mental principles. The study of these auric colors is very interesting and rewarding. We must acknowledge the fact that clairvoyants all through the ages have been seeing these colors around people. And they have accounted for them in many different ways. The fact remains that these colors are the direct result of mental processes. And they reflect through the auras of the physical and astral bodies. Because you will remember that those are colorless. about color. White light, when it's passed through a prism, divides into a spectrum of seven colors. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Very well known to us all from our school days, I'm sure. And once again, of course, we come up against that figure seven. Now, red is at the lowest end of this spectrum. And that would lead us to suppose that the vibrations which produce the color red are the lowest. That's true. And we will also expect that red being the lowest vibration would be associated with the lowest thought vibrations or instinctive mind. And again, we find this to be true. Violet, on the other hand, is the highest of the vibrations, and we would expect to find it associated with the spiritual mind. And that also is true, as we shall see. If we can understand the true significance of these colors by associating with the corresponding thought vibrations, then obviously we can tell a great deal about the mental state and the character of someone whose mental aura we can see. Of course, all the colors we're about to consider are made up of an infinite number of degrees of vibration. That's to say, that red may be so dark as to be almost black, or so light as to become a rose pink. And the same goes for every color. Generally speaking, when we're considering these colors in their relationship to the aura or mental states, the darker or the more thick and heavy or dirty the color, the less spiritual the more material the vibration or mental emanations which produce it. Conversely, the lighter, the more translucent, 
the color or the shade, then the higher the emanations or the more spiritual the mental state associated with it. However, before we actually consider color, let's consider the absence of color, by which we mean black. Black is no color. It signifies a complete lack of light and denotes exactly the opposite of spirituality. In our aura, black is a terrible sight. It signifies the deepest degradation, the impenetrable animal nature. And when it's seen with other colors, it serves to emphasize or underline them. Gray, again, is really not a color at all. And is certainly not a good color to find in an aura. It's the color, very often, of depression, of lack of interest or vitality. Some grays can denote false pride, self-centeredness, selfishness, lack of interest in others. Generally speaking, grays, particularly the colder and darker grays, are bad colors to see in an aura. They're very often seen around people uh, whose mental states are highly depressive. Let's turn our attention then to red. The lowest end of the spectrum. This is the color most associated with the material world and the physical body. Red of a very dark and dirty shade in the aura usually indicates the lowest possible vibrations, sensuality, animal passions, where it's associated with a black background, dark red flashes. This is really quite a terrifying sight. Then the animal passions, of course, are backed by a complete absence of any spirituality whatsoever. This particular dark and dirty red has often been described as being like the smoke-laden flame in a burning building, filled with foreboding. Red of any heavier, darker color is usually indicative of these passions, anger, hatred, arising from whatever cause. The old saying in folklore that when you're angry you see red really means that when someone is angry you can see red in their aura. Red and green together would be really an indication of anger inspired by jealousy or envy. Dirty yellow and red together in an aura 
signify anger again, but prompted this time by perhaps some type of conceit or pride. The lighter, stronger reds are not at all so bad. Actually, um, a good, clear, vital red denotes great physical courage and also such a person would be normally a strong-minded, very materialistic, but a good leader of men. The darker the tone, even when the red is clear, the more the degree of materialism in the personality, the more possibilities of sudden outbursts of temper and anger. Also, red, the color of blood, is the color of life, and uh, it's very much associated with the reproductive forces in the body. And of course, we must remember that also in, in instinctive mind, as we've said before, are all these functions which are so vital to the maintenance of health and life in the body. And when the mental principles are withdrawn from the body, as they are during the normal sleep state, then the aura at that time around that sleeping body would present only a gentle red glow. The colors of the higher principles now being withdrawn, only the aura of the actual life processes would remain. And the normal physical aura and perhaps the astral, if the astral body is still in alignment, would be there. Now just slightly colored by the physical energies very much at work. That part of the instinctive mind which is carrying out its job of looking after the body during the sleep state. Although the next color in the spectrum is actually orange, I want to move on to consider yellow first. Yellow is the color associated with intellect, with mind, with the thinking processes, with communication and learning. As with all the colors, the darker, denser, dirtier shades are very unpleasant. And this is true about yellow. Dark and dirty yellows in the aura indicate conceit and pride, knowledge of a very low order, without any great moral strength or real understanding. Also, yellow is associated with cowardice. There is a reason for this, actually, not the obvious one either. You see, sometimes when there is knowledge and understanding, people don't rush in where perhaps fools sometimes do. A person with a certain amount of knowledge and understanding will avoid danger rather than try to meet it head on. But perhaps it's also true that cowardice is a, a state of mind 
of a fairly low order. And this manifests itself through the aura in this very unpleasant color. As we move up through this scale of vibrations, the yellows become clearer, more translucent. And as we get into the higher reaches of thought and understanding, we start approaching the beautiful daffodil and golden yellows. At the highest state of all, we find this yellow of pure translucent sunlight, a fantastic golden color, very often associated with the halos around the heads of saints and highly evolved beings. Gold, actually, as far as mankind is concerned, has always been the most precious and most sought-after commodity on Earth. And its spiritual counterpart, gold, in the mental states, really means wisdom, pure wisdom. So, what is the most sought-after commodity on Earth? Gold is also the most prized commodity in the spiritual world. Wisdom. Where you see a pure golden light around someone's head, you're most probably looking at a very highly evolved being indeed. Perhaps an adept or a master. Now, a combination of a red and yellow will give us orange. Therefore, one would expect orange to be associated with knowledge or even wisdom, which is the yellow part, and material thought or more earthly desire, which is the red part. And this is absolutely true, because orange is a very pleasant color. It's also the color of ambition, physical or material ambition. People with a great deal of orange in their aura are usually very warm and friendly personalities, but uh, with a very materialistic approach to life very energetic color to have in the aura. Such people are most often optimistic because they have the necessary knowledge to understand um, the physical world and in many cases are able to overcome it. The higher the degree of, of uh, knowledge or understanding, or intellectual attainment, the lighter and more bright the orange is. The real flame colors, very good colors really to have in an aura. There's not a great deal of spirituality there perhaps, but there is certainly a fair degree of progress, certainly in the material world, in the chosen profession. Such people are usually very kind also, within a certain materialistic concept. This is supposed to be associated actually with the adrenal glands in the body also. 
And it's very much a mark of vitality. Now, green is the one that comes next. It depends entirely once again on the shade of the green. And like all the others, dark and dirty greens are very, very unpleasant colors. People with these colors in their aura, um, if they can't be helped, should really be avoided. Dark, dirty greens are the color of jealousy or envy. Any other emotions which that jealousy or envy stirred up would, of course, cause the corresponding color to appear in the aura, linked with the green. Lighter green isn't so bad, but it's the color associated with deceit. That's a sort of slate green, not very nice. But as the color becomes more translucent and clear, rising up the spectrum of vibration, then the whole nature of the color changes. An easy, clear, pleasant green indicates tolerance and politeness. There is also something to remember. Green of various shades is a very predominant color in the physical world. And uh, certain types of green are extremely healthful, peaceful, relaxing colors. Then at the highest end of the spectrum, the clearer, most beautiful jade-type greens are very wonderful colors indeed. Very spiritual colors, denoting a high degree of understanding and development. One can say the same, of course, about all the colors, remember? The higher and more translucent, the more beautiful and wonderful and spiritual they are. Blue. Blue has always been associated in the minds of man with spirituality. Blue, they say, is the color of love, and this is true. The deeper and darker the color, of course, the less spirituality there is. Blue is also the color of cold, remember? The basic color of snow and ice. And it's well to remember that if you're using color and healing, you would never use a blue thought or a dynamic towards someone who was already suffering from a chill, whose temperature was very low. That, of course, should be quite self-evident. In the aura, the color blue indicates some form of spiritual thought or understanding. At its lowest and deepest, it indicates a primitive feeling for deity an aspiration towards some height, little understood. As the cell develops and is capable of thinking more, this color becomes lighter in the aura until we have the rich blue so often associated with places of worship, churches, the color of religion. Not all religion, of course, denotes great spirituality. In fact, we've only got to look at the present state of our world and its religious convictions and the outcome of those to see that. The brighter the blue, the stronger the religious convictions. Once again, 
we have those colors becoming more and more translucent, spiritualized, until we have the beautiful, clear, clear blue of high spirituality. That's the color of love, because of course, when a soul has become sufficiently spiritualized and aware of its own at one with God, it enters into a completely new sensation. There's an absence of all separation, an understanding of absolute brotherhood, kinship with all creatures. This is love in its only true sense. Blue, going on to the higher reaches, becomes tinted with rose pink that we spoke of before, entering into the higher octave of color. At its deepest, blue and red gives us the color purple. And purple has always been a symbol of power on earth. We say royal purple. Kings and emperors and people of importance love purple. In the aura, it indicates someone who believes in power. Not necessarily spiritual power, but certainly material power. As it becomes once again more rarefied, it appears in the aura as a beautiful violet shade, verging towards lilac or rose pink. Great spiritual power is denoted by this beautiful violet or rose pink or lilac shade. In all the colors that we're looking at, there's a certain amount of practicality. By using reason and logic, for instance, we can work out thoughts and ideas for ourselves. We saw earlier on how mixing red and yellow gave us orange and that the orange color uh, was a mixture of the intellectual and material thought aspects. Try some experiments for yourself, using the basic knowledge of the colors and their significance. Try to mix your own, metaphorically speaking. See what you come up with. These colors in the aura, as you can see, are the product of the mental states. They arise out of the mind processes and interpenetrate and therefore color the lower auras. So what clairvoyants see, looking at the aura, is not the physical aura at all. These flashing colors that they see are the outcome of mental states. You can tell the type of thoughts that are in people's minds by the colors in their aura. You can tell the basic characteristics by the ground colors which predominate. You can tell many things in this way. And we have to remember that we've been speaking of colors in the visible spectrum that range of frequencies which are observable to the human eye. There are colors above and below this spectrum of lower and higher frequencies of vibration. Infrared, for instance, or ultraviolet. And they're the beginning of other spectral bands, far beyond those that we can see. And in the upper regions of this higher spectrum of colors, there are certain shades that we can't even begin to understand or imagine associated with the highest spiritual lights, far, far beyond us. We can take heart, though, in the knowledge that they're not completely beyond us. In the future, however far out of reach they may seem at this particular moment in time. But there we come to the culmination where all the colors are blended together back into white light. We've 
would expect logically that white light would be associated with beings who have subjugated all the lower principles, who have in a sense brought together all the colors and have completely dominated and subjugated all the lower aspects of their character. And so it is, we're told, all through the ages, that the hierarchy, the shining ones, have always been described as being of a light too awesome to gaze upon, blinding the eyes and confounding the senses. We have to imagine these great beings, for they are so far above our earthly understanding. But we should remember that they were once men and women like ourselves, and that where they are walking today, we may in our time follow. If you found this talk interesting, let me call your attention to the fact that there are many, many books written on this subject, particularly on color. Study them, and you may find in them many references and ideas which will be helpful. Some, indeed, may even conflict with some of the things that you've heard in this talk, but that doesn't matter. Remember, there are many, many versions of every idea under the sun, and you have to explore and take what appeals most to your reason. Always choose your own pathway, not someone else's. But rest assured that an earnest study of this type of subject is a good grounding for your own unfoldment and development into the future. <laughs>